Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is another fantastic episode of the Entrepreneur Now podcast, and I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and I am here to get funky, I'm here to get lit up, to bring the energy, bring the heat, and drop some bombs all across the world with our creativity, with our passion, with where we want to go in life, with our vision. We will get there one step at a time. Link arms, high fives. We can do it together. We can all do it together. Whoever you are or wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, this is the place you should be right now listening to this amazing interview because I have on David Esquire, a brilliant, I mean, if you could take the term entrepreneur and define it, it is him. David is is one of the most energetic, fun people that I've ever had on the show. We get all over the map with the things that we're discussing. And he has done so many amazing things. He is a living, breathing example of why you can follow whatever you want in life and do all of it. He didn't stick to just one thing. He's done all. I mean, he's a photographer. He's a photojournalist. He was a drummer. He was a model. He was a street dancer all over the world. He's a motivational speaker. Uh, He's doing shows like this. He's had so many experiences where he almost lost it, where he almost lost his life, where he came back, how he built that. I mean, it's insane. And the very first guest of mine where I actually met somebody else who also has a little doll mascot. You know, I've got the art zombie, which you might have seen me post pictures of on social media before. And he has the T-Rex uh, and they got to meet and it was pretty cool. Different and exciting. We had beers during this interview. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So I just want everybody to hang on tight. Seriously, put your fists in the air because you're going to love this one. All the show notes, artsynow.com forward slash 61. And here we go. Real quick before we dive immediately in. I wanted to say thank you uh, to NFO Frico on iTunes for leaving me a review. Uh, A really fun and creative show. Heath does an amazing job at sparking creativity and inspiring listeners by interviewing genuine artists living their lives outside a 9-to-5 soul-crushing grind. Thank you so much for leaving it. I try my best to inspire, to help artists realize that they can expand their brand, to help musicians, to help creative entrepreneurs, because we're all in this together. So again, thank you so much for leaving that review. If anybody else wants to help out, you can uh, go to artsynow.com forward slash iTunes. It will take you there. Each one of those reviews and ratings helps spread the show. So I really do appreciate it. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity stinkity rickety dinkity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, let's get on with it. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do, I do. get on with your bad selves, yeah. Do your stinky little ears hang low? Do they wobble to the front? 
if they do, you better not tie those crazy little things in a knot, because our guest today is bringing all sorts of creative influence to the world. He's capturing beauty everywhere, one crazy little creative endeavor at a time. He's the owner of Esquire Photography, a photojournalist winning awards like hotcakes. He's diddled in the middle of writing, rocking out on the drums, modeling for Ralph Lauren, street dancing all over the world, and dominating nachos in Newcastle. A skittamarinkity dinkity dink, a skittamarinkity doo David Esquire, you are the entrepreneur now. What's up, man? Hey, man, not too much. How about yourself today? Uh, just drinking a beer. How about you? Nice. Very much the same. Very much the same. <laughs> so it's been kind of a crazy long day. And before we pop the record button on, I noticed that David was sneaking into Newcastle, which was one of my favorite, the most delicious beer, especially out of a bottle. I don't like it as much off the tap, but yeah. I love it out of a bottle. Yes, absolutely. And so Especially. I was inspired to soothe my inner alcoholic and <laughs> uh, attend the bar downstairs for a nice Sam Adams winter lager, which is it's quite refreshing that I've got on tap there. So uh, cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers. Prost. Absolutely. Yeah. David's got a sweet pair of Google Glass on, too. We're going to dive into here in a minute. And like I said, he's... He's a photographer. He's been doing that for a long time. I guess thirty plus years, right? Absolutely. Uh, photojournalist, you know, award-winning. You're a writer, drummer. You did a little drum in there. You've done some modeling. The street dancing—that's pretty interesting. I like to talk a little bit about that too. All Uh-oh. over the world, you're doing some motiv- motivational speaking on the side, uh, dude. You're a serial entrepreneur. You're perfect for the show, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's really awesome to be here. I mean, just being able to connect with you and to be able to share the story and to be able to inspire others around the world, that's a fantastic opportunity. I'm all over it like uh, nachos to Newcastles. <laughs> yeah. All I do is fist pump and try to try to send that message out to the world as well. So I think you're a perfect guest for it. Man, if you've been doing photography for three decades, you don't you don't look nearly that old. You look pretty damn young, man. I know. I, I you know, I get that all the time. I tell people I'm still twenty five and they're like all right. And then they just kind of go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, the math doesn't add up. (laughs) I was, I was shooting when I was in the womb before birth, I was going around and taking photos and filming. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, your work is fantastic. You've done it all over the world. I mean, you, you've listed there that you've done, you've been all over LA, London, Paris, Berlin, Costa Rica, Switzerland. You've shot photography for bands in general, which man is awesome. Like, Duran Duran orgy. What about yes. orgy? Right. That was out of control. Suicide Those guys, machines, dude. Suicide machines is insane. They had me up on stage. They literally were like, "Come on up, come on up," and I was just on stage shooting. And to be able to be that knee deep in the moment with the artist, with the crowd, with the audience, you just become one with the moment, and it's phenomenal. And the emotion that you can capture. I mean, even Mark McGrath from Oh, gosh, that little-known band called Shrinky Dinks back in the day. I photographed one of their reunion performances, and he literally – I was the only photographer allowed on the floor in the mosh pit. I'm getting beat up, almost got my leg broken, and he literally grabbed the camera out of my hand 
And I just kept firing away and shooting and filming. And he's just like, rah, all up in my face. I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> like a T-Rex. <laughs> it was just phenomenal. You know, it's like they did that whole thing with Sugar Ray. But before Sugar Ray, they were shrinky dinks. And it was an incredible performance. And to be able to be at one with artists in their element and I'm in my element, it's just very much a hand in glove situation. Well, I can feel the passion, man, and the energy. It sounds awesome. Like I love love live music more than anything in the world. So yes, I, I can totally understand what you're saying there, and, and being having that opportunity, especially because you, you've talked about how you're, you know, a huge fan of Duran Duran, right? Absolutely. So you Absolutely. got to shoot them. How did that feel going from just growing up and loving them to actually getting that opportunity to photograph? Okay, well, there's the professional answer, which is. Well, it was mighty fine and, you know, just meeting them and their personalities and everything was just that one. And then there's the real answer, which was, uh, excuse my French, but I was a little bitch. I passed out after I met them. I seriously was. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I, I did. And my first meeting, I got to meet them. It was in Beverly Hills and it was phenomenal. I had this great meeting. I kept my composure. Yeah, this is great. We're going to do the shoot, blah, 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 the performance, this, that, and the other thing. And then I walk out of the room, fell to my knees, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I met Duran Simon LeBond, Simon LeBond. Oh. And I realized I sound like a 13-year-old little girl. <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. I'd probably do the same thing. You know, it's, it's one thing when you really look up to the people that inspire you professionally and personally, and then when you get the opportunity to meet them. But when that dream comes true, and you're really able to manifest destiny and to be able to make it all happen. And it can. It just takes a hell of a lot of effort, a lot of perseverance. It's, it's phenomenal. It can all be done. And for me, when I made it happen, it was just like, wow, this was like the top of the mountain for me. And I just want to be able to continue having those mountain peaks throughout my life. And yeah. it's crazy. It's out there. That's what's yeah. amazing about it. It's out there. I know a lot of people say that you can't be, you know, a jack of all trades, but I completely disagree. I mean, I think the more peaks you hit, the more of of jack of all trades that you can be. And it doesn't have to be the same thing over and over again. And Tim Ferriss, he had a quote this morning that I saw, which was pretty awesome. And it was, um, I think it was something like, don't conform to one talent. Uh, I got to look it up. I got to look it up. But But that's true, though. I, yeah, I see where you're going with that, and that's very true. I mean, for myself, I've been in the industry since 1983. I grew up as a kid in the music industry and in the film industry, and I was always around all of that. And back then, I saw it happening to where you couldn't just do one thing great. You had to do a few things great or several things great, and you really had to be a master at your craft. And today, you truly do. I mean, For myself in the industry, I have to be a social media expert, an SEO expert, a webmaster, (laughs) all this other stuff. And on top of it, then I have to be a filmmaker, a photographer, a director, all this amazing stuff that has to be done. And if you do it just a little bit okay, you're going to get a little bit of okay results. But if you really put your heart and soul into it and really recognize that all of this is required to be a success and to have that main that mainstay, you know, where you're not going anywhere. You're really not. And, you know, it's you know, back to Duran Duran. It's about time that they're really getting their comeuppance in a, in a way. 
you know, they got ripped to shreds in the 80s and 90s from the media, just really torn to pieces. And they had a lot of their ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But the thing is, they're constantly reinventing themselves, but still being the same true to themselves artists and creatives individually and as a band. But they're also approaching it in a sense like, well, hmm, social media, huh? All right. Holograms, huh? All right. We got to take on this. And they do. You know, Nick Rhodes, he's a very active person in virtual reality. He's constantly doing things like Second Life and all these other things. And it's phenomenal to see them really taking part in that and really embracing social media and what can be done with that. It's a very powerful tool for us. Oh, man, absolutely. Here's the quote, all right? Mm. Be too complex to categorize. Specialization is for insects. Isn't that awesome? Oh, dude. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to take my, my iPhone and be like, can you repeat that? I want to yeah. type that up. It's going to go on my whiteboard, I think. I just really yes. love it. That and is, it, it sums so up everything that you're saying to, to a T. Yes. And I mean, you, you, you've been a prime example of doing this, that it is possible. And that's what we love to do on the show is point this out, that these, these people that we have on and we talk to, including you, know, you or anybody else, they are doing these things that everybody says is impossible. Yeah. No, it's not impossible. And, and Honoré Quarter says, committed eats impossible for breakfast. If you're committed and you stay persistent and you do a little bit every day, impossible doesn't even exist. Uh, you right. can get to that vision. It's, it's what you think in your head. It's what you envision and how you're going to make the steps to get there. And, and you're a prime example. I mean, you've done all these amazing things. Like, how was the street dancing? What, what, what were you doing during that? <laughs> <laughs> that really picks up back in like, like in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I was a good friend with... Uh, then the, he was just an up-and-coming comedian and a professional dancer and choreographer. His name's Eddie Griffin. He's a phenomenal actor and comedian to this day. And uh, he and I connected back in Kansas City, Missouri, and he taught me a lot about dancing. And he really just kind of unleashed that inner beast that wanted to be able to express myself uh, through body movement and to be able to do that on the dance floor. And I just kept doing it more and more and more to eventually where I was performing uh the club is now closed but back then uh, it was a club called eyes e-y-e-s and it was in kansas city missouri and i did a lot of shows there uh my big you know 10 minutes to fame uh was opening up for the uh, rap band called snap that one song they had i've got the power yeah i've got the power (laughs) yeah i opened up for them in chicago at my favorite nightclub which is still there it's called excalibur and that was really, go vote. <laughs> and it was really neat to be able to have that opportunity to be to uh, open for them. And if anybody that is listening has been to Excalibur, they know the magnitude of that size of a club. It's pretty impressive. It's the best way to describe it. If you've seen the movie Cocktail and that multi-level uh, bar that Tom Cruise was in where he was pouring drinks, that's kind of how Excalibur is. It's a giant castle in downtown Chicago with multi-levels overlooking the dance floor and they have laser shows and That's you name awesome. it. It's insane. <laughs> it is fully insane. I recommend it. It's, it's a must see must do. Yeah. Well, everything it sounds like you're doing is, is been incredible. And I'd love, I mean, we could probably sit here all day and talk about your stories and your experiences and how they got to where you are. But <laughs> I mean, I guess to start, like we'll get into the Google glass thing in a minute, but you've traveled and you've worked all over the world and yes. it's really something that everybody dreams of and, and everybody on the show wants to get to that point. So 
how did you do it? You know, how did you go from where you are now? I mean, from where you were then to where you are now, you know, when you were younger and you thought, hey, I want to do this stuff. What was the driving force behind it? I mean, it was just something that you loved 100% and you wanted to follow. Or did you did you create habits and get into those habits and move forward? Or did you meet some mentors and have them teach you? Like, what, what do you think the driving forces behind your success were? A, a phenomenal question. Wow, I haven't been asked that in a long time. To sum it up, everything that I have done in my past has continually been to better myself as an artist and as a business person. Uh, both the artist and CEO, myself, has to be you know, two and one of the same. Yeah. And it's a tough line to walk. But everything that I did in the past led up to where I'm at today and then going forward. I wanted to become better uh, speaking with people and being able to work a crowd, things like that. So, okay, I've learned how to dance, learned how to act in theater, learned how to perform playing music, uh, playing instruments, played the drums, piano, would sing at times, which nice. back in the time uh, was very weird for people because they're like, well, wait a minute, how are you able to hold a tone if you're deaf in one ear? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I do it. <laughs> I, I, I firmly believe, you know, to quote Heath Ledger from Knight's Tale, it's like a man can change his stars. If you, if you really want to go get it, it's there. It's truly just a matter of not necessarily how much you believe in yourself, but how much that somebody perhaps believes in what they want to do. And so for me, I realized when I first picked up one of my mother's books in 1983, it was June 3rd of 83 when I first embarked on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I picked up one of her books about photography and fell in love with the medium. And I think the biggest thing for me was to realize I can change the world through my photography. You can look at the photograph of Tiananmen Square and you've got one man holding two bags of groceries, standing there with a line of tanks. And the photograph that made it through the press that we've seen all these years has been just maybe half a dozen tanks. But then you look at the uncropped version of that photograph, and there's a full line of tanks. There's dozens of tanks. There's a full armada of military that is behind this row of tanks with one man, two bags of groceries, going home, basically saying, no, he won't take that. He stood up for something that he believed in, and one person caught that photograph, and that photograph made a difference in this world. Uh, the photograph oh, yeah. <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, of the uh, small uh, girl, the young girl that was fleeing her town that was blown apart by napalm, and she's just, enra- she's just ravaged. She's barely got a shred of clothing on her. She's screaming and crying, and you look at that. But then you look at all these other amazing portraits, like one of the people that I totally look up to, Annie Leibovitz, the portrait, the very last portrait that she captured of the late John Lennon with his wife, Yoko Ono, that made the cover of Rolling Stone. That, no words. You don't need words. That says everything about him as a person, as a creative, just as a human being and everything that that encapsulates. So when I realized that I could look at this and go, huh, everything that I see through my viewfinder can make a difference, make a positive impact in this world. And when I realized that, I knew from that point on, my life will be lived through a lens. I'm constantly taking photos, whether it be on my iPhone, glass, it doesn't matter. I'm constantly wanting to shape and really mold what I see of the world and share that with others. And you know, through social media, that has really taken a whole new direction, a whole new direction. I love it. It really is. It's, it's like creative vomit. It's like, I have an idea. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. I have a thought. I'm going to share it with the world. You know? 
it's truly what it is. You can just kind of go, ah, and you, and you put it, it out it, there. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. Well, with the, it really is great. With looking through the vision there, like you've got the Google Glass on, right? So, yes. so let's talk about how this technology, first of all, how did you get this Google Glass? You know, did you purchase it? Did somebody give it to you to try out? How is it changing your medium? How is it changing the way you look at art? How is it changing the way that you look at photography? Um, is it, are there negatives to it? Are there positives to it? Is it something that we should all just go out, you know, pull our pants down and run around <laughs> fist pumping around the world for or what? You know what I mean? Yes, you should be. <laughs> Everybody should be out there going, ooh, 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 I want some. Um, glass, it started off as a prototype and they had all these different modules and components and they were building it. It was very much a, just a period of time in the making and I had been following it. And when they made the announcement at Google I.O. that they were going to be accepting uh, people's request on what they wanted to do with glass and the whole like, okay, well, if you had glass, what would you do with it? And that became the whole submission for glass, which was you, you could either uh, do a tweet or you could do a YouTube video. And the hashtag had to be hashtag if I had glass, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And for me, it was quite simple. It was like, oh, God, I could be shooting or filming and capture moments, first-person perspective, and not have to break, not have I to actually you know, I never even thought about that, like the recording yeah. aspect of it. Which is it's awesome. Because like, I love GoPros, but yes. thinking about like from where your eyes actually are, yeah. what, you're, what you are seeing while you're doing something is insanely powerful. It's extraordinarily know? powerful. And for a creative perspective, it's phenomenal. Uh, when I got the tweet a couple of years ago, I was literally sitting at my desk. I was editing an event. I'm like, do, do, do. All of a sudden, it's like, bling, congratulations, David Esquire. You've now been accepted into the Glass Explorer program. I just like, ah, oh. crazy. was running around the place. It was, it was awesome. And I had scheduled my appointment, went to their office in Venice. And the, gla the Google Glass is not free to us explorers. We did have to pay for it. It's yeah. a $1,500 purchase plus tax. To me, it's like buying another piece of camera equipment because it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Except it's like having your iPhone like right here all the time on your face. Sounds and amazing. And you can see it. Dude, it's crazy. It really is. One of the things that people are kind of tied up in in the media is the sensationalism of privacy this and privacy that. That's so not true because literally you and I could sit in the same room and I could have my iPhone in one hand recording a video of you and you would have no clue. Yeah. But with I glass, do it all the time. I know, me too. I'm always like walking around like at subway stations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Maybe, but I know. Maybe on Thursdays. Because <laughs> everything happens on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, Blackout Thursdays. Yes. <laughs> No, it's, it's crazy. The creative aspect, it's really freed me up to provide an opportunity for my clients to have a more first-person perspective of video. They can also wear the product and have their first-person perspective of a oh, film. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, things like that. For me, with it being able to capture photos and videos, I have it set up to do the eye tracking tour. It can actually like, oh, it's gonna, you're going to do this wink. Uh-huh. And then boom. Congratulations. I now took a picture of you just by winking. Didn't oh, wow. have to talk, touch it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, it's like, boom. Dude, that's insane. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. And to be able to do that hands-free, 
without interrupting a moment is amazing. Hey, I, I need to get you on after this interview. Remind me to introduce you to my buddy Paul Kemp. He runs this podcast called The App Guy, and Uh-oh. and he would have a ball with you on his show with the Google Glass man. You should totally hook up. With him. <laughs> and he has a, he has a huge audience too, so it'll be awesome. Awesome. We should do that. That would be yeah. cool. For the social ramifications for me, it has really opened me up to be a lot more conscientious of this on my face because there are some people that are sensitive. I've only had two instances where it's not been positive. Nobody One was when I rape yet, right? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> only a matter of time with the media. Oh my gosh, exactly. And then you got these jokers that are out there buying glass that are like, well, I'm going to wear it to a bar and antagonize people that are drunk. Well, duh. Of course they're going to want to smack it off your face, steal it, and run out of the bar with it. Yeah. You know, there's ridiculous people like that that are out there. But then you do have, you know, just the iconic professionals that want to be able to educate public, the public with this, to be able to incorporate it into their personal and professional lives. Me, personally, when I put glass on, I'm a grown man, still 25, and, you know, glass has a button on the back. Let's see here. Dun, oh, yeah. dun. You see it? There it is right there. That button right there. That button, it is a bone conducting technology. It rests on the bone by the ear. I'm deaf in my right ear. And since I've had glass, I've been able to hear my phone calls, text messages, videos. Really? This, dude, this is going to me with the, you know, right to the grave. I'm taking this with me. That's There's incredible. no way. That's life changing. It really was. And when I was at their office, they didn't know that about me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they weren't having very many experiences about that with handicapped people because I was one of the very first people that was chosen. I was there. It was still very much in its infantile perspective. And when I put the glass on, we tested it for the phone call. And all of a sudden, I started hearing ringing. And I'm like, what the heck? What's that? And I'm like, I'm hearing ringing. And it's not in my ear that I can hear in. And then my girlfriend, Christine, picks up the phone. And it was her voice that I heard in my deaf ear for the first time in my life. And it blew me away. But on top of that, it blew the people away at Google because they were like, wait a minute, you're deaf and you can hear this? And they just were just taken back. And they thought that's yeah. just another arena for them to use glass as an application for so how, does that, how does that technology work? Like how, how does it allow you to hear it? It creates sound waves. It touches the bone just above the uh, – right here on the skull. Wow. And it's right here. And it creates sound waves. So my girlfriend is deaf in one ear. She'd be able to hear this. That is awesome. Totally. It's amazing. It is truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She would totally be able to hear. And she could hear the text messages, audio through it, videos, phone calls. Wow is the best word to describe that particular, ex- you know, ex- uh, not experiment, but just uh, experience. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's, cheers to that. Dude. Cheers. Prost. Prost. Hmm. Yum. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a little jealous. I'm not drinking the Newcastle. <laughs> it's all about the Newcastle. It's and if so I had some tasty, man. Burger, dude, exactly. And it's not as yeah. harsh as a Guinness. Love Guinness, but Newcastle every day. <laughs> it's okay. Well, how, uh, back onto your photography subject, because I know I have a lot of sure. listeners who are into photography that are trying to get started. Mm-hmm. If you look back on how you got started, what do, you, what do you think some of like the prime methods that you use to get some of your first networks or clients going? Like, How did you set that up, and how does that differ now from what it was then? 
you know, what, what would change about your methods when like, if I first started doing a website back in the day, I think about it and I'm like, Oh my God, like what I did for that client was awful. You know, I feel guilty about it. And now <laughs> it's just so different the way I approach things. Cause I've learned so much more. What kind of progression have you seen since when you first started to now and how, how would, you know, what, what do you think the prime pieces of advice you could give them to get started? Like things to remember are the best way to describe what they would want to do. And it hasn't changed to this day. It is still the key component to a creative person's success in any industry. It doesn't matter if they're going to shoot weddings, portraits, spiders, you know, a fountain. It doesn't matter. It's all about the relationship with the subject that is in front of them. And if they want to be successful and to have long-term you know, staying power in the industry, it will be the relationship. Having the next and latest, greatest gadget won't matter if you can't take a good picture. It won't matter if you provide a horrible experience to your client and to yeah. the subject. It won't matter if you have everything in the world and you have the best degree and you went here and you went there and blah, 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 if you're a jerk. Who cares? You know, even Sir Richard Branson, he's gone on record to say that the first thing that he considers with people that are going to be coming on board with Virgin Enterprises is the person's personality. How well do they fit in with the rest of the people that he's employed? That makes a big difference. Also, being aware that there's a million of us now that are out there. Anybody with an iPhone can capture a decent picture. And, you know, seriously, I've got it set up now where I'm doing commercial work, not just with my iPhone, but I'm doing commercial work with my Nokia 1020. Prior to that was the PeerView 808. I'm able to take with uh, photographs that are uncompressed, raw photos with my Nokia 1020 and blow them up and put them on my wall if I want to. They're that amazing. The quality is that phenomenal. When I travel around the world, it's not about the equipment. It's about the person behind the gear. And I really want to see more people succeed, but they've got to realize that it's not about the gear. It isn't. It's all about the relationship. And even to drive that home even further, Kira Knightley, that amazing actress that is very well-versed in her craft, has been in the industry pretty much since birth, what it seems like. Yeah. She went on record with Vogue magazine recently. I'm pretty sure it was Vogue. I'm double-check, but 99.9% sure it was Vogue. And she was interviewed, and she said... And she was asked, what's the difference between film photographers of the past and today's digital photographer? And she said, film photographers had a relationship with the subject. You had to get to know the person. You had to get to understand their quirks, help them feel comfortable, really work with them, get to know them as a person. Today's digital photographer hides behind an LCD screen. There is no right. relationship. It is so horrible to you know to see that in print to see it in black and white and to see that this person has spent her life in front of a camera and for her to say today's photographers are hiding behind an lcd screen you might as well just go to the dentist seriously because that's one of the reasons why i got rid of all my studios i had a studio in hollywood when i moved to la and then when that got destroyed in the earthquake then i opened one up at the beach and then I realized I was never using it. All my work was done on location because I was connecting with my client. They never wanted to come and sit in some stoic, you know, just homogenized, white-walled, white paper backdrop, fake lighting, blah, 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 blah. They don't want to sit in that kind of garbage. And that same type of experience has now transferred over to an iPhone, an iPad, or a digital camera. People are like, click, 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 click. You know, there's a term we call spray and pray. 
where somebody will hit the shutter and it's like, well, I hope one of those is good. Who cares? <laughs> Congratulations. You know, seriously. <laughs> the, the moment is hitting that precise moment, not, you know, guessing. If you're guessing, you suck. You know, there's, it's true. It's, it's absolutely true. And, and more photographers need to realize that. It's about the relationship. And on top of that, it's all about mastering your craft. Because just because I can go to a music store tomorrow afternoon and go buy a flute does not mean I'm performing with the L.A. Philharmonic. Just because somebody who thinks they're a photographer and dropped 20K or 5K or 10K on a bunch of camera equipment, just because they have this amazing piece of equipment in their hands, doesn't mean they're a professional photographer. Yeah. Do the craft and the industry and, your, most of all, your client, this, the proper service, the respect that they deserve and they're paying for to learn your craft. Because you can throw me in any situation and I'm going to kill it. I've been in blackouts. I've been in rain and earthquakes and you name it. Been there, done that. <laughs> Fallen off of vert ramps, shooting the X Games. Been attacked by dogs. Been clobbered by snowboarders. All of that stuff. And you still have to produce. If you don't have the ability to master your craft, you're not going to produce in those compromising environments, those compromising situations. Yeah, how amazing. Such, such, such fantastic, honest advice, and I love it. I mean, really, it just makes me fist pump, like straight up, nonstop. <laughs> you so. know, I don't get that reaction often either. Usually people are like, tone it down, tone it down. And I'm like, no. Yeah, right, man. Uh, you got to be, <laughs> be honest. It's not the, nothing is easy. Nothing is going to get handed to you. And if no. you're going to do it the right way, you have to have the passion you have to build the networks and you have to see the truth behind all of it. You know what I mean? You can't just fake your way through life. And no. if you find something, if you're out there spray shuttering, do you really <laughs> want to be a photographer? You know what I mean? Exactly. Or do you want, or you just want people to think you're a photographer. So it, exactly. it's, it's who you want to be, you know? Well, yeah, I really want to drive that home. I promised my mother before she passed away, and I continued our legacy of being a photographer. And I promised her back then, I said, I will retire the minute that I'm no longer shooting from my heart. I got off of a tour. I was on a tour for three months shooting extreme sports, inline skating, skateboarding, snowboarding, you name it. I was all over the country. And I got back, and I was just focused and gung-ho and doing this and doing that. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm not shooting from the heart. I was shooting for the paycheck. I was shooting for the cover of the magazine. And I was getting plenty of both, but my heart wasn't in it anymore. And so I stopped easily for a good two, three months. I was like, no, no, this is not worth it. That really has to be taken into effect because the paychecks don't matter. At the end of the day, yeah, the paycheck is part of it. But if you truly, truly, truly love what, they're, you know, what you're doing, they should be shooting from the heart. And that's where they're really going to shine because, seriously, do, does tomorrow's photographer want to be this one-hit wonder of an artist where it's like, ta-da, I have a badass photo. And then like two seasons later, I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean, the last band that worked with Timbaland was Duran Duran. Have you heard from Timbaland over the past yeah. few years since he's done Red Carpet Massacre with Duran Duran? Tumbleweeds, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no staying power because b- bottom line, he was just like this pop blowing in the wind experience, you know, this little leaf blowing through the wind. That's not going to matter as a photographer. So you have one great picture. That's not going to matter three months from now. And on the other end of the spectrum, photographers that are out there, flat out. Okay, I'm going to say like it is. Okay, what do, you, what do you think of when you think of Britney Spears? Well, I see Britney Spears shaving her ass right here in the mirror, going bald, going psychotic. Yeah, you know, 
having her videos liquefied because she's got mommy pudge. So what? She's got mommy pudge. Whatever. She had a kid. Okay. I see that. Okay. Now, seriously, let's to get real about that, it doesn't matter. People have to shoot from the heart because if they're popular, they're not going to have any staying power. They're just going to be nothing more than a flash in the pan. And they've got to see that. They truly, truly do because you know, people aren't going to be remembered for being a flash in the pan. And on the other end of the spectrum, if you think about all these different artists that are out there, like Millie Vanilli, what do you think of? Well, they were lip syncing. They really weren't singing. Okay. Photographers have the same like Achilles heel, so to speak. Photographers are not going to be remembered for their last greatest photograph. They're going to be remembered for their last piece of shit that they cranked out of their camera. <laughs> That's what they're going to be remembered of. And you're only as good as your last photograph. So it's like if all these people are like spraying and praying and doing all this crap. It's like, well, who cares? It doesn't matter. It does yeah. not matter. People Sorry, I go on a tangent. <laughs> people don't buy what you do, man. They buy why you do it. I mean, they truly believe right. in what you are doing, not 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 the product of what you're doing. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're in the drive of why you're doing it. And they're buying you. Yeah, they're buying you they, for sure. It's not about the, because everybody has the same tools now. Everybody has, the playing field is leveled. And also on that, quit copying. So many photographers are out there copying each other. Turn your computer off. Quit looking at magazines and develop your own eye and your own voice with your photography yeah. because- Oh, the homogenization and commoditization of photography is driving me nuts because everybody's stuff looks the same. It looks like crap. Yeah, get Every, your own style. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Dude, but, this, is, this has been some awesome stuff. This is prime time. This is why I love doing it. It's, it's amazing. And like you've been on this insane journey. You've done all these yeah. creative things. You've obviously found out what you should be doing photography for, what you should be creating for, and the purpose, right. and to get out there and change the world. And I really think that a lot of the successes and a lot of the the gold that we get to taste at the end is definitely built on the back of a failure. You know, hanging on your back, like you could be a hunchback with a little failure back there. But I really think that we build those successes off of our failures, like the biggest failures that we have make us the person that we are today. So along your journey, do, did you run into any instances where you just, you know, you hit that, you hit that rock bottom or you failed hard, but you were able to turn that around and create, you know, something magnificent out of it uh, later in the future. Can you tell us about <laughs> any of that? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be man. Good already. <laughs> oh, I feel my liver being yanked out right now. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> um, wow, since we're, we're keeping it real. Um, and everybody that knows me knows that that's pretty much how I'll speak and I will talk with them and share with them. Yes, I had an epic failure. I had the one thing that no creative that is using a camera, be it film or photograph, ever wants to experience, and that is memory card failure. Oh, dude, the worst experience. And it was a wedding that I shot back in like 10 years ago, Ooh, wow, about nine, 10 years ago. It's like, I think 05, right around there. Yeah. And it was a wedding that I was referred to through people that I knew. And, you know, it was like, okay, cool. You got that one degree of separation, not six degrees, one degree of separation, knocked it out of the park. The event was phenomenal. The, everything was amazing. Incredible. 
I have my routine. I come back to my desk at the end of the night. I have my sequence of cards that I've shot on. I'm putting them in. I'm backing my stuff up. I go to put the one card in that had the end of the wedding ceremony and all of the portraits on it. And I'm like, put it in. Nothing found. Um, no, I'm pretty sure that's the card. Pull it out, put it back in, nothing found. I'm like, okay. And and you get this horrendous feeling in your stomach and your entire being. It's like, it's like watching somebody being sacrificed. It is the worst thing you can ever imagine inside. Uh... And uh, yeah. And I take the card out of my card reader. I'm like, well, okay, well maybe it was another card. And I put it back into my my holder, I've got this uh, really amazing pocket rocket by a company called Think Tank Photo. Phenomenal. That's a whole other topic right there. And I put it back into my pocket rocket with all my other CF cards, and I go through the rest of them. I'm like, boom, 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 backing everything up, backing everything up. I get done, put that one card back in, nothing's there. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I put it in another case. So I grab my other case, and I'm like pulling all the cards out that are blank, They're my backup cards. So I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, Okay, now I'm really starting to feel like I'm just going to throw up all over my computer. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is horrible. Ugh. I take that and I go online. I'm like, okay, SanDisk says do this. I take the card, put it back in the camera. Oh, the pictures are there. Well, WTF? You know, what the heck? So I'm like, all right, well, I'll take it back out, put it back in the reader. Nothing there. Put it back in the camera. It's there. Okay, next solution or the next uh, solution to the problem is to take your cable and jack it straight into your camera. And that is the proper way to extract your photos off of your memory card. You're not supposed to remove your card out of the camera, but whatever. It's almost an impossibility. So I start uh, you know, hooking the camera up, get it paired up with my Mac. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Nothing there. Okay, now I'm freaking out. And I'm like, oh my, Yeah. So long story short, I send out the media card, a SanDisk uh, Extreme 3 medium card out to Disk Doctor, Drive Savers, Drive Doctor. I send it out to three companies, one of which LucasArts uses, and the card came back with the same results. It was as if it was a brand new card and nothing was ever recorded on it. It was a complete system failure on the card. How do the heck do I approach this and come out like alive without being sued, blah, blah, blah? Fortunately, I'm with the Professional Photographers of America. I contact them. They have a trust fund set up for me. I'm totally a professional member with that organization. I talk to their legal department. They review my contract to make sure all the the T's are crossed, I's are dotted, and everything is in line to protect me. I contact my attorney in Los Angeles, have him do the same. I'm like just double dipping on everything, making sure I'm covering myself. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, now I have to make a decision. I have to contact my client. So I had everything edited. Everybody that knows me knows I drop everything on social media, my website. I've got videos, photos. It's everywhere. But I didn't do that because I was missing this one chunk of photography from their wedding day. And I sat down with the mother, the groom, and the bride, and I explained to them what happened. I was very professional, non-emotional, because I just wanted to break down in tears. It was like the worst experience ever. And I just explained to them this is what happened, and I let them know. This was of no fault of mine. It was an equipment failure, and we didn't need to go into anything legal about the contract or anything like that. They were so kind about it. They were like, we understand. It happens. And, of course, I thought I was going to fall off the couch when they said that. And I just wanted to 
over-delivered to them and I offered them another photo shoot to redo the portraits. I knew I couldn't recreate what happened on that wedding day, but I wanted to provide the formal portraits. I said I would pick up the tab for everything, and I did. And it was like tuxedos, flowers, dresses, on location, a full-day photo shoot. Literally at the end of that afternoon, the family and the bride and groom came over to me and they said, you know what? We understand that you know, what happened was horrible, but this was much more fun than what we had on the wedding day. So a really horrible failure turned out to be this amazing success. <laughs> Reason being, because I was prepared as a professional all the way through with everything in line that I should have in line with contracts, legalese, the PPA, my attorney. I dealt with it professionally. I did due diligence to make sure that I was trying to find out what was going on with the card. And then I handled it in a professional manner with tact, but with a little bit of emotion, but not hysterical or anything. And, and it worked out. It worked out really, really well. And they were far beyond happy with the results. And the best thing that I could suggest for anybody that wants to embark as a photographer or a filmmaker Dude, be a Boy Scout, be a Girl Scout, be prepared. And when you think you're prepared enough, prepare some more because you can <laughs> never be pre- too prepared. It's like when I ride my motorcycle, I'm suited up, boots, leathers and everything. And I'd rather have it on and not need it than to wipe out on the highway and be wishing I had my leathers on. That's the worst experience. And it can happen. It can happen to everybody. Hard drives will fail. Compact flash cards yeah, will fail. Yeah. It'll all happen. I know, right? You got me worried. I'm like looking at my input lines to make sure that my mic is recording. <laughs> yes, it's scary. You know, hard drive failures happen are before, horrible. man. Yeah, like I've, I've recorded an amazing interview, and then I go back to edit it, and then there's no there's no line in for my mic, or, or mm-hmm. maybe theirs didn't record or something, and it's like a complete system failure. Nothing that I did in particular, but then I got to contact them and be like, hey, you know, I lost the interview basically, and. Yeah, want to record it or not, and, and it's amazing because people people really do care, and they'll yes. a lot of the times will work with you, and you know you'll get the occasional person that you know is going to react insane, but that's probably because right. they're not comfortable with themselves, and they're they're maybe a scared dickhead throughout life, anyways. You know, they fear <laughs> something in general. So right, if it, it, it's something that we can't change, if it is, you have two options, right? You can either mope about it, pout about it, and make it influence the rest of your week or your day or your month or your life or to your be terrible. Or, yeah. Or you can accept the fact that you can't change it. You can move forward and make the best of the situation and go on. And that's something that I learned from Hal Elrod, which was episode 16. Um, but he, he actually even makes these can't change it bracelets that you can wear. And whenever something terrible happens... You know, you can look at that bracelet and say, well, I can't change it. How can I make the best of this situation? Because he got hit by a car in a car accident, was pronounced dead for six minutes, and he woke up and they told him that he would never walk again. And he kept that mentality right when they told him that. And he said, okay, well, I can't change that. What am I going to do? And he ended up recovering, going on to running like a 52-mile marathon and creating this amazing, you know, authoring several books, but creating this amazing system in the morning that I follow that helped me change my life as well. So that little mentality of, you know, you have two options, take the one, keep it positive can change everything. And and you saw the same thing. So it's pretty awesome. It's very much, you know, it's all set in your head and it's really, it's very serendipitous that you mentioned that 
uh, with his experience because and without trying to like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and like come on board with that particular uh, moment. But I, too, had a similar experience where I was en route to a job and I unfortunately was hit head on in a collision, didn't see it coming, woke up in the hospital and had to go through about 10 years of rehab. I had to learn how to walk, talk, remember who I was. Wow. And I was told I wouldn't be able to really run, rollerblade, do all these things in my life at the time that I was doing that was just so abruptly stripped from me. But on top of that, I had to relearn who I was and had to just basically tell the doctors, no, this isn't going to be my life. I'm not going to be like this. And like part of my face was like back here. It was just really a, a brutal experience. And what was interesting was at the time I had my car accident, the person in the bed next to me in the emergency room had a very similar accident. I took the road where I was like, no effing way is this getting me down. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get off my ass. I'm going to be walking again. I'm going to be shooting again. The entire industry thought I was dead because I went and I met Mark Shays at one of the X Games events in Los Angeles. He turned white as a ghost. I mean, it was like eight years later, but he was like, dude, I thought you were dead. Like, no, <laughs> I came back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. But what was How interesting incredible. was- yeah, it's, it's all in your freaking mind. So many people yeah. don't get that. The mind is a powerful thing. And what happened for me was I had been in my accident. Another person was in almost an identical accident. And several years down the road, that person, unfortunately, was still in a wheelchair, was still dealing with a lot of the issues. It doesn't matter, you know, where they were at and where I was at, you know, I do believe that the mind is extraordinarily powerful. We can make things happen. We can, you know, change our bodies. We can change our lives. We just have to go out there and do it and really commit to it and believe in it. Because, man, if I could have told you back in 1983 if I was going to be shooting Duran Duran, hell no. It was a dream. <laughs> you know, could, if, after my car accident when I was in a wheelchair and had to learn how to walk again, if I would have thought that, oh, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to go shoot in Europe and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Afterwards, at that time, my only thought was, no, I'm going to make it from here to three meters away and get to my door and be able to walk. And it's not going to take me 20 minutes to do it. It's going to take me 30 seconds to do it and live like a regular human being. And it could be done. I really would love for somebody else to be able to have you know, just that moment in our life where just like, it's like, you know, those bracelets, you know, we, it's how we react to it. It's yeah, not the moments yeah. in our lives. It's how we react to those moments in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I watched and a I watched video, video on YouTube, YouTube the other day. It's, it's called, like, it's called like, love, revolution. love Revolution. What? I'm going to link, I'm gonna you, link to you, it. you to it. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's about 30, it's about 30 minutes, minutes of, 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 I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Guy's name. I, I can't think of it right now, but, but. Everybody out Everybody there probably out needs to look this up on YouTube. YouTube. And it's, it's based it's on kind of that same kind of topic same of how topic. you can't change things can't change and everybody's and different, but, right. but you have to love you yourself have. and you have to love everybody else. And it, it is going to change the world. And, and uh, I'll wow. link you to it for sure. Wow. That is, that's really powerful. I definitely want to check that out. That's I can't believe really that you had the same kind of thing happen to you as how you guys need to connect with each other, man. Dude, when you started talking about that, I was like, I've been there, done that. <laughs> Bought the t-shirt. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a common thing, you know. He he wrote oh. about that experience and then he he went on to break some sales records and things like that. And but he what he learned from that is that hell, you, you're not guaranteed anything. You know what I nope. mean? It can mm -hmm. end in a flash, and yes, there's absolutely no reason to mope, pout, cry about anything ever. 
you know, move forward and, and attack the things that you truly love. And oh, dude, the, my first four years in Los Angeles, I moved to LA just a few short months after I moved to LA and relocated everything, set up a studio in Los Angeles. Everything was starting to kick off. The Northridge earthquake happened and left me homeless. Well, that oh sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, this blows. I just moved here. Welcome to Los Angeles. Two weeks after that, I'm held up at a gun or at gunpoint at a 7-Eleven at, I think it was like Fountain and La Brea is where it was at. I think that was it in Los Angeles. There was a 7-Eleven that's there. Ah, there's the link. Cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. And, you know, to have a gun held to your head and to realize that your life to another human being has the value of $1.89, which was all I had in my pocket at the time. That's kind of crushing. But at the same time, it's like, well, if I can make it through an earthquake, and having a gun held to my head, I'm cool. And then a few short years after that, then I went through a windshield. I'm like, okay, now I can add that to my list. And <laughs> seriously, it's like you, like you said, you don't know. You can have your life ripped out from underneath you and destroyed in a moment. It can happen. It really can happen. And if it hasn't, in one way or another, it will happen to everybody, just like a hard drive failure and a compact flashcard failure. It will happen. It's just a matter of time. And I would love for other people to realize, hmm, well, it was an event. Let's keep going. It's, it's how you react. That's everything. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. It really is. Like, you know, Keanu Reeves in one of his interviews for The Matrix, he was talking about how to look at things. And one of the things that he liked about the then Wachowski brothers, uh, now it's Wachowski brother and sister, um, he was talking about how they would take something and they would go, hmm, let's look at it from this perspective. Let's look at it from here. What about over here? What about over here? What about underneath here? And they were constantly looking at things. And it hit me at that moment when I was listening to him talking and he was describing how somebody could look at something in a spherical level. Well, what if we thought about our lives in the sense like, well, the butterfly effect. We live in a very spherical manner to where everything that we do, see, touch, and react and act with has that ripple effect where one genuine act of kindness can make a difference. I've seen teachers who think that they suck at their job and then have a student come back to them three years later when they were in junior high and they come back to their elementary teacher and go, wow, you really made a difference in my life. Because of you, I'm now going forward and doing this. And I love being able to speak with other students in socioeconomically challenged schools and realize, you know, their situation right now really blows, but it's temporary. It's, it's so temporary. And I really hope that more and more people can realize that we live spherically. Let's all share that positivity. Oh, which reminds me, dude, I wanted to bring this up. This is something I thought of earlier um, because I'm no longer in Los Angeles. I needed to relocate for mm -hmm. personal reasons. My brother is here in Minneapolis and it's a phenomenal city. I miss living in this city and in LA, you really can't. So <laughs> I live in an amazing city right now. And one of the things that I was starting to think of the other day was, oh gosh, I'm not in LA, but what if this opportunity, what if that opportunity and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I was getting all psyched out and anxiety was really hitting me. And then I thought, well, what the hell am I doing? I'm not in L.A. There's no guarantee of you know, landing that perfect job or anything. And then I thought of this earlier, and I really wanted to share this with you and your listeners and your fans all and right. all of your followers. Seriously, you guys, out of everything, at the end of the day, do not, by all means, do not get caught up in the act, the lifestyle, the behavior of chasing the mirage. 
because that's all it is. It's a effing illusion. And that is what LA very much is. It's a mirage. It's an illusion. It's that, come on, come on. It's just yeah. right over here, right over that next hill. Don't think about it that way. Just think in terms of actionable, measurable goals that you can see and achieve and you can make happen. Because if you think that you're going to nail that impossible, well, yeah, you can, but you got to take the necessary steps. Don't chase the mirage. Really set out a plan to make it happen. Build a dream board. Build a bucket list. Put a freaking wish board up on your wall. Do whatever it takes, but don't chase that mirage because it's fake. It's not real. <laughs> Beautiful, man. I got to have all sorts of quotes and stuff to put up on this interview. Dude, I'm like stoked. This is rad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could go on forever. Like, totally. Well, if you, if you could spend a little bit of time creating something with anyone from the past or present, who do you think you would choose, you know, out of your creative influences throughout your life? And, and what do you, what do you think you'd create? I, wow. Dang. <laughs> um, two people that come to mind. Uh, the first person on a just very ostentatious out of the box thinking, breaking the mold kind of an artist would be the late Herb Ritz. Herbert's, I thought, was phenomenal as an artist. He was just a visionary that unfortunately passed before really his time, you know, really before he was about to be even that much more incredible than what he was because he created some very prolific images for the fashion industry, for the editorial industry, and really broke the mold in so many aspects to where it's like, your photograph doesn't have to be crystal clear. It can be blurry. There can be motion in it. There can be life in it. And that's one of the things that I loved that he did. He so the, I'd love to be able to work with him. Yes. Is he the guy who did the, um, like the sashes over the heads? He did like stuff the, like that. Like, yeah, know, like, like the black and mats. white bodies, like yes. people standing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, awesome had, work, man. Like nudes in the trees, Madonna, Natasha, yeah. Kinsky, you know, all kinds of amazing people that he worked with all around the world. Phenomenal artist. I would love to be able to, like, if I can go back in time, work with him. Uh, as a photographer, as a creative and somebody that just really I live every day uh, just kind of thinking how much further can I push myself and become a better person for would be my, my mother. You know, truly, it's, yeah. she was the reason why I picked up the book. You know, she was shooting. She was doing a lot with her craft. And at that time, it was like, wow. And because of her, I am where I'm at now. She just is a constant, like in my head, driving force. So if I could go back in time and to do just anything with her as a photographer and as a creative in a heartbeat, truly, truly in a heartbeat, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly inspiring and acceptable. I mean, you, we learn so much from the people that teach us and we mm -hmm. actually listen to and the mentors and the accountability, um, and obviously you had an amazing relationship with your mother and maybe it ended too short, but, but you could probably tell that you've carried on lots of your life values and morals from it. Totally. It probably did. has tweened you into the person that you are today. Yeah, it's um, definitely, it was, she was a very strong influence for me and I really would love to see other creatives regardless of their craft to really just realize their dream and just go for it because Unlike myself, I've had, I'm a Leo, so I figure I've got five more lives to go. I've had four. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm still doing all right. Uh, but I really would love to see more creative people out there just embrace their voice, embrace their dream, and realize that it can happen. You just got to go out and do it. And there will be 
hellish bumpy roads along the way. There truly will. And there is no final destination of success. There is no final destination of your dream being complete and you're done. There, there, it isn't. It's not a reality. But what is a reality is that having multiple things that you want to do in your life and doing them. Just go out and do it. Pick up yeah. a book. You know, just make it happen. Take a step it's forward. There. Yeah. It, it really can happen because like an old friend of mine, Jonathan, told me when I was living in Portland, we were playing pool. And I suck at playing pool. I'm horrible. And he was trying to teach me. And I was just getting frustrated. And he said, David, how do you eat an elephant? I'm like, I don't know, with salt and pepper, fork and a knife? I don't know. He said, <laughs> he said David, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And it's like... <laughs> And it made sense. It's like no matter how big or small that elephant is, and if it's your dream, it's going to take those little bites to get to that whole bit, you know, to really achieve that whole dream. It's a I lot love of that quote. Success. Yeah, how yeah. you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So true, it's, and it can be applied to so many things in life. It's very true, personal and professional. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dude. if you if you had to battle Godzilla, David. <laughs> how do you think you would use your creativity or talents or photography superhero skills to defeat that big, ugly, crazy bastard? <laughs> I would have to uh, employ the creative talents and my alter ego uh, wrapped up into a little toy that's about yay tall. Uh, his name is Duran Rex. It's this goofy little toy. And uh, I think the three of us would have to have, like they had in the movie Zoolander, it's a dance-off. Yeah. It's a dance off. <laughs> All right. That's what I'm talking about. Bring your street dancing skills back. Hell yeah. Dominate. <laughs> you got to love toys, man. I got the art zombie and he's killing it. So, dude, Here. is that what that is? Oh, there you go. Oh, man. I want to get a picture of this. Hold on. Hold on. Ugh, iPhone out here. Here we go. Here we go. Hold it right there. Yeah. <laughs> And Google Glass, of course. Okay, Glass. <laughs> Take a picture. Boom. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's pretty sweet how that works, man. That's intriguing. It's crazy to kind of a little bit scary to see where technology is going. But I'm like, I'm all infatuated with not having to carry a phone, whether it be a watch yes. or glasses or whatever it could be. I'm all in on it because I think that, especially when you go to public, you notice it a lot more if you're driving on the road. I mean, it, why do I have to look over and just see people texting constantly? They're staring at their phone. They're, it, yeah. it's, sucking, it's sucking society in as a whole. And mm -hmm. because of the work that I do on the side and like doing this podcast and doing websites, you know, I spend enough time on the computer as it is, but then having all these people and, and all, the, all the power behind these iPhones being within reach I'll find myself grabbing my phone and looking at it when I don't need to be. There's no yeah. reason to just to see if there's anything there. And that's terribly sad. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And if there is something, some kind of amazing way to incorporate it without having that going, you know, it's almost like a second nature thing. Like if I get a message, it'll tell me, but I don't yeah. have to look at a screen and I can continue doing what I'm doing. I can, I can, uh, you know, hike, climb a mountain or run around Las Vegas with my pants down or pogo stick <laughs> around the world or, you know, you never know, but, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. So it truly is, you know, it's a lot less invasive than you think. And, you know, prime example for being able to capture a moment in a flash 
when I was at the international terminal uh, heading to India and I was at LAX and the entire crew for, I think it was Singapore Airlines was walking by and they were just donned up in their uniforms. Looked amazing, absolutely amazing. I couldn't get my iPhone out of my pocket fast enough. So I just started winking and started taking photographs with my glass. And I was able to capture the moment faster than you can yank your iPhone out of your pocket. That is incredible. And it's, and it's not a situation where I'm like disturbing others and obviously what I'm doing. It's a matter of just going boom, 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 boom. I'm capturing some photographs. Oh, done. Think about the, t- the time that's saved. I mean, the, the yes. distraction-free, the lives that it will save when driving down the road and things like that. I mean. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's making great waves. Uh, Google Glass is just doing wonders in the uh, scientific industry. It's doing wonders in the educational industry. Military applications are incredible with it. There was a story that came out recently about a doctor, a surgeon, who was wearing glass and the patient that he was working on and performing a procedure on started having an allergic reaction. Instead of the surgeon having to stop what he was doing, take himself away from the patient and go to a computer terminal and look up the patient's records and look up the patient's information. He was able to just go, okay, glass. And then boom, all the patient's information was right here displayed right wow. above his eye. It's right there. Basically the best way to describe this, it's like having like literally like about a 13 inch monitor right above your eye and you can access all that information. So because the surgeon didn't have to break away, he could still stay in the moment, still continue to work with the patient who was starting to have an allergic reaction, access his records, access all of his information right there on the spot in real time, and save the patient's life. That's incredible. That's truly incredible. Then you have the military application where there are men and women that are able to have a scope on whatever device it is that they're using, be it a drone or a weapon or whatever, and they're getting a live feed right here with their glass, and they could see what's going on. There are instructors and university professors that are live streaming their presentations to people that are around the world. The application for glass right now is phenomenal. And we're just, the best way to describe, like, in the direction we're potentially heading for the merge of machine and man, look at the movies Johnny Mnemonic with Keanu Reeves, you know, wet wiring a computer chip into your brain. The Matrix, that is happening right now. DARPA is doing incredible things. It just got announced that Google spent a billion dollars with NASA to start doing space exploration. It just got outed last week that Google has Google X, their own hospital with nanotechnology and robots that could seek out cancer cells in your body. Oh, wow. we're, we're on the, you know, the precipice of greatness with just you know, our, real, our reality, our world, our lives. You know, humankind is about to really change. It's, yeah, I'm yeah. excited. I heard him I talking really about those, the chips, the, the brain yeah. chips and how they are able to save, like when, when they send a, a crew out, say in like Afghanistan or something, they have eyes and they know when things are going to happen before the troops do. And they can literally blindly guide them the direction they need to go to yes. keep them out of harm's way. Yes. And that's pretty amazing. Like it, it'll make their, it'll actually trigger their brain to do something um, instinctively mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do without the technology. I mean, and that, that's insane. I mean, it can be a little scary thinking about it, but if it's, if it's handled correctly in the right way, I, I could see some serious power coming from it. I mean, it's amazing. Absolutely. There was that movie gamer where they had something like that, where the person was being controlled by another person through 
you know, and through um, information and through a control through a computer program. There's so much. And like you said, it's an amazing power, but it's got to be wielded properly. And there's a lot of people out there that are really doing a positive thing with it. And we just need to keep that going, whether it be a creative person. And that's the other thing. We're talking about scientific measures right here. Seriously, anybody that wants to be a creative, they need to understand math and science and psychology. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, you'll never succeed because the best way to describe music is math. If you can't count four, four time, you're not going to be a musician. If you can't break things out into thirds, you're going to be struggling with being a photographer and a filmmaker. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then psychology, you need to understand people. <laughs> so true. It's crazy what we need to, you know, it's that marriage that really is a marriage between art and science. And more people that realize that they're going to really be successful. And there's a lot of people kind of going, I do need to understand this. And yes, you do. It'll help. Psychology is huge, man. I mean, it's the driving force behind why people do anything. Mm -hmm. And and it's, and it's a lot of times mis misjudged by people because they think, Oh, you know, they think of some girl who's trying to analyze your brain to Mm -hmm. think, you know, what emotion you're thinking. But in reality, the way people think is the driving force behind any marketing out there, any type of sales, any type of yes. business really uh, that becomes successful. It's because somebody understands the customer, somebody understands what they want, what their pain points are, how to solve that problem yes, and what triggers it. And it's, it's, wow, it's amazing. So it's pretty wild. And like I explained to uh, a lot of the photographers that I teach, the reason why I became a model was to understand my body in, spot, in time, space, and motion. Yeah. And to understand what it is like to be a, you know, in front of a camera with a really horrible photographer. There's some great people I worked with, but then there are some bad people. And when a photographer says that they hate being in front of the camera, then how the hell are they going to direct another person? Yeah, true. It's like you have to be comfortable in front of the camera. You have to understand psychology. And there's so much that can happen with body language. That's why there's a big... A hiccup with text messages. You can only convey so much. I think that's why emojis are so popular because it's like a little goofy little smiley face can go, oh, that person's having a good day, you know, that's instead true. of saying yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dude, we, I feel like we need to have like, you know, part two to this conversation. There's so much. Yeah, oh my absolutely, gosh. man. We, we, <laughs> as time rolls on, the show's not going anywhere soon. So I'd love to have you back on. We could go forever. It's amazing. And I mean, I'm sad that some episodes have to come to an end, obviously, but that's not the end of anything. It's just the beginning. It's a yes. stepping stone to something much larger, man. So where do you have any closing like advice, resources, or tools that you'd like to give our listeners? Um, do, do you think there's anything that they should know about? Like it, it could just be a quote. It could just be a piece of advice. It could be a tool that you're using online right now. It's helping your photography business, anything. Absolutely. The best quote that I can share with everybody, and it applies to everything. It's an incredible movie that is simple, but probably never, ever, ever going to win an award anytime in our lifetime. The lead actor forfeited and sacrificed a huge chunk of his money so they could acquire another actor to be in the movie as a co-lead. It's the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman. And it's towards the end of the movie. And Keanu Reeves is right out there on the playing field. And he's, you know, got these guys and they're just beat down. You know, they're getting their second chance at everything in their lives. And, you know, he says, you know, it's an honor to share the playing field with you. 
And there's a pause, and he says, pain heals, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. <laughs> Dude, that has resonated with me since the first time I watched that movie. I bought a T-shirt from the Renaissance store online that says that in Latin. And it's so true because the pain that we experience in our lives is temporary. It is a temporal experience. It will end. It is a finite moment in our lives. Pain heals. Chick stick scars. Hell yeah. Everybody wants to hear our stories, whether it be emotional or physical. Everybody's got a story. So embrace your story. You've got a story to share. Get out there online and, and share it online. Share it with your friends. Write a book. Do a podcast, have a website, fly a kite, whatever. Share your story. Get it out there. And glory lasts forever. Damn straight, because the great things that you do in your life will resonate throughout history. People are going to remember you for your actions. They're not going to remember you for what you wore that day. They're going to remember you for how you impacted your life or their lives, excuse me, and how you impacted your own life, the difference that you made in this world. Because nobody's going to give a shit about what you look like in your hairstyle and your eyeshadow and the car you drove and all the other just simpleton ways of thinking in our yeah, world. All the materialistic stuff, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't because you can't take it with you just like the musical. You can't take it with you. So make a difference in somebody else's life. Lead by example. So pain heals. Chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. It is, it is definitely a mantra in my life and I love it when other people can kind of go, yeah, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I saw that on your, when I, before we got on the interview, I saw that on your status or your Skype yes. quote there, which was awesome. And I was wondering where it came from because I liked it. And yeah, the replacements. I've seen that. It's been a while though. So Great movie. It's a simple movie, but it says so much. And I think that's one of the things I love about Keanu Reeves. All his movies have a common thread. The Matrix, the replacements, everything that he has done, it's all about getting that second chance, the underdog, you know, really making good in your life and fulfilling your dreams. Dude, more people need to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, fist pump, live the dream, go out there, do something that you truly believe in, you know? Yes. Break the, break the rules, but first break the rulers all the time. Oh, man, that's a whole other discussion. You're talking about breaking rules. I'm not even going to go off on that tangent right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe next time, right? Yes, definitely. Well, where can our listeners find you or get in contact with you if they want to connect or check out your work or any of that? Definitely. I'm all over social media. The website, EsquirePhotography.com. I'm, I'm on Google+. Plus. I'm on Facebook. I've got professional and personal pages. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Esquire Photography. Facebook.com forward slash David Esquire. Twitter, fa- uh, Twitter.com forward slash Esquire Photo. I'm on Pinterest, Tumblr. I'm everywhere. I'm fully accessible. So if anybody has any questions about anything, I'm more than happy to chat with them. You know, just like on Reddit, it's an AMA with me and my life. I do my best to live it as much as possible out there in public. So if anybody has any questions, ask me anything. AMA. Absolutely. I'm here. Awesome, man. And I appreciate you coming on and just being so open and honest. It, it's where the listeners truly get the value. I've learned so much. Um, I'm completely humbled. Definitely want to keep this relationship going uh, and keep in touch because I think what you're doing is amazing. And Thank yeah, you should, you say you'd like to do some motivational speaking in, in your free time. You should do more of that, man. I think you, you especially with your story and the, the gas station and the, the car wreck and the Dude, earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And people, people like to hear that they can relate to things. And sometimes they, they need to hear that it, what they have isn't that bad. 
You know, it oh. can get a lot worse. And seeing people like you and seeing people like Hal take that from what it was and creating these lives out of them is truly inspiring. And and some of the some of the best people that you could ever come across having a conversation with. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and Thank sharing you. it. And everybody That's out an, there, yeah. What was that? It's an honor, dude. Seriously, yeah. I don't get this opportunity often to just be real. It's like there's industry talk and then there's the real talk. Yeah. For sure, with the beer and the Newcastle. And yes. <laughs> cheers, cheers no. for that, man. Yeah. Cheers, my man. Last sip Definitely. Off there. I know. I'm right there with you. Clink, prost. Mm. Prost. Definitely. All right, man. Well, once again, everybody out there, do something insane every day. Eat that elephant one bite at a time. Fist <laughs> pump. You know, if you run into a situation that just sucks and you feel like a piece of shit and you feel like you just can't move on, you can't go any farther, break the rule, then break the rulers. Actually, first break the rulers. Uh, get out of your comfort zone. Do something funky. You know what I mean? Just do it. Take a step. Take one step at a time. Live the dream. Uh, and, and it's all going to be okay. It is. And, yeah. and one one huge piece of advice for my end is just reach out and talk to people. You know, reach out to David, reach out to me, reach out to anybody because we want to connect with people like you uh, because we've been in that same position. I mean, I've reached out and if it wasn't for other people wanting to help and oh my God, you would be surprised with how many people are out there actually want to help you yeah. get to where you want to be. Not everybody out there is evil. Not everybody out there wants you to sit inside and never show your face around the world and fail. I mean, it's not like that. It's not true. So get out there, get out of your comfort zone, reach out to people. They will want to help you. Take it one step at a time, be persistent, break the rules, first break the rulers. And David, dude, thank you so much for being the Archipreneur now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. And always remember to keep it funky. Every day, every day. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of The Archipreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music, well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.